0: Presented by Kaleida
1: Health. Holy cow, we made it to Friday. Welcome to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We're at the end of the week. Finally, for a big showdown Sunday night in Cincinnati supposed to be balmy temperatures Let's Sunday go. evening like that'll be great.
0: 60 degrees it's going to be great it's going to be a good game fun game it's going to be two good teams just what we're just what everybody's looking for
1: yeah it know. is one of the marquee games on the schedule for sure yeah, which this, explains its primetime location it's almost for us for for bills fans i mean it's going to be kind of a bookend
0: game i mean 9 9:30 or something in the morning dolphins take on the chiefs which is two teams that the bills bills fans keep a – kind of a side eye on, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can start the day with that and end the day with the Bills uh Bills Bengals that night. So yeah, that'll yeah, be you can, a good day.
1: You can literally feast on football all day long. And well, you should. It's good and, and it's cap good your f- evening with the Bills. It's good and it's good for you. As we know, it is Friday, which means it's the OBL Friday Fan Mailbag where we answer some of your most pressing questions on the Bills. Or the NFL at large, maybe the AFC East race, the AFC Conference race, whatever you want to discuss, feel free to ask it at 803-0550, 888 2550 or on the tweet sheet at One Bill's Live, Steve and I will do our best to come up with intelligent, insightful answers for you. We also have the final injury report set to come out, although head coach Sean McDermott on the team's flagship station, WGR, here in Buffalo this morning, said that he has already ruled out both of the linebackers on Buffalo's injury report, A.J. Klein and Balin Spector. Spector with the hamstring injury, Klein with the back injury, so both players already ruled out uh, for Sunday night's game. He did say everybody else on the injury report has a chance to play Sunday night. Also interesting, Steve, was head coach Sean McDermott has not ruled out the possibility of both Rasul Douglas and Linval Joseph from being up and active on Sunday night as well. And it was interesting to hear Linval Joseph explain yesterday with the media that he has played in a similar defensive system from his years in Minnesota. So, Veteran guy might be quick on the uptake. He could find himself on the field Sunday night.
0: Yeah, and I'll say this: you, the thing that's keeping him off that would keep him off the field would probably be would only be the coach's, Thinking, I don't know if if we call this play and we make this adjustment, I don't know if we got you know if he's gonna be able to pick it up. You know, if they get into this and do this, I don't know if he's gonna do you know what I mean?
1: Right, but you know, that's when it. Things only get complex on third down, really, right? He's I mean a, for the he, most part. He's a first and second down yeah, guy. Yeah, right? So I don't know if you gotta worry about that. Well, you always gotta
0: worry about well, it. I mean it's okay. your job to worry about it. So and me and you too. So it's our job to worry about stuff like this. It is? Uh yes. Oh, okay. And and I'm doing my job right now. It worries me. <laughs> uh, so he' <laughs> he's, he's going to help, though. no question about it. He's
1: a you know he's a big Jordan Phillips looking dude. It's, big dude. I, I had the opportunity to talk to defensive line coach Eric Washington today, because um, we were recording the pregame radio interview for the radio broadcast, and I was talking to him about Lynn Vall, and I said, "This guy is a huge human being." He goes. Yeah, yesterday at practice, he and Jordan Phillips were standing next to each other. They looked like twins. Yeah, I mean, those are two—I mean, he's 329, Jordan goes 341, and, you know, I, I think the best thing that Linval Joseph does if he's in the lineup is he allows Jordan Phillips to go back to his more natural position, which right. is the three technique, the penetrating right. defensive tackle position. It's like that's where he plays. It's like him and Ed play there really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and so Jordan have, has been Ed's rotational backup
0: in that. So you can have two really good three technique guys to rotate right. in and stay fresh. And now you have Linval Joseph and, Linval, and Puna Ford and I guess. Puna, um, and whoever. Yeah,
1: yes, and maybe Tim Settles maybe your Tim fifth settles if you dress fifth a fifth he goes. Uh, yeah, that's that's big. I mean, you want all your players in the best possible position to succeed. I think Jordan Phillips is probably a more effective three technique than he is a one.
0: He likes – he's a really good disruptor, and it's hard to do that from nose tackle. When you're double-teamed, yeah. You know? Um, And when you're the size of Jordan Phillips and you're getting singled, even if it is by a good-sized guard – his athleticism is hard to handle with a guy that big. Usually, you know what I mean. It's usually one or the other. It's usually a guy like Ed yeah. Oliver, who's a, an explosive, like sprinter type, or it's a big dude who can't move. And Jordan's got a little bit of both, so I, I, he, I love him out of the three, and I think that'll feed him his personality too. You know oh what I mean? yeah, I think he'll be he'll be like all right, sweet. Now, now I can go hunt. Yeah, yeah. Now I can get some sacks maybe. Right. So, right. and I think it keeps him at a higher level at all of those spots throughout the rotation and throughout all three downs.
1: So, yeah, it's, it's got a chance. Rasul Douglas is a little bit of a different case because there's a lot on the line back there, as right. we know. Not to say that he can't handle it, but he hasn't played with these guys on the back end ever. You're in a road environment on top of it, so communication is more difficult. For right. the guys on the back end, I would, I would anticipate he's not in the lineup. Maybe he's up if he showed the ability to be a quick study this week. Otherwise, I think the move is Josh Norman getting elevated again this week to be that reserve corner in case there's an injury.
0: Yeah, and I would not I would anticipate. Now, let's think about it though. I mean, rasul has been down this road before. He's been on like four teams. Right. And that helps so, him. So, yeah, that helps him. But if he doesn't if he isn't activated this week, that won't be an excuse next week. Right. I mean, you get you're here for almost two full weeks, 10 days. That's that's enough to get up to speed on an offense or a defensive scheme. So, you know, you would expect him to be, if not this week, for sure next week.
1: Yeah, so those are going to be some interesting roster decisions. I'm not anticipating Leonard Fournette to be brought up from the practice squad. I mean, he told the media two days ago, these passing concepts are brand new to me. Mm-hmm. And when he was asked, how long do you think it would take? He said, it's going to take me about two to four weeks to master this these pass game concepts. Right, And that's important because... Steve, I'll tell you, I think the reason he is here is to offer a better passing threat on third down. Latavius Murray can do it. Leonard Fournette is better than him in the pass-catching element of the game, and knowing their propensity to use Murray on third downs for pass protection... When he's on the field, it's either a run play or he's hanging in there to pass protect. He doesn't offer anything else. Fournette offers Both. leaking out of the backfield and yeah. suddenly catching a pass in space. And uh, there's some
0: stuff on social media will give you an idea of how Leonard Fournette, pa- Fournette pra- pass protects as well. And he's lit some guys up. I mean, he is not shy. So he's a big physical dude in there in pass pro. And you're like you said, he's a threat. So that that's one extra wrinkle and and one element that is less predictable for the Bills offense uh, when they're facing a defense
1: yeah I just as he said himself though it's going to take him a couple of weeks so that's all right he you know he'll just probably bide his time you know jamming and cramming in the playbook and you know hopefully he's up to speed sooner <laughs> and it's, rather it's than hard later. to
0: and, and I we've we're, I don't want to talk out of both sides of our mouth because some guys do it fast some guys do it quicker but it is different when it's during regular season when you're in the preseason, everybody's learning stuff together, and they're installing it. And the coaches take it extra time. They don't do any of that in the regular season. They're putting game plans in. You got to know it and keep up. You got to catch up rather than be rather than be taught. You got to catch up during
1: the regular season, and so one, it's a different atmosphere. And one way to catch up is just study the game plan this week. Right. Don't worry about the full complement of the playbook. Right. Just focus on the game plan this week, so you can play and help us. And that's you know another tactic. That has been used before. Uh, one minor roster move for the Bengals today. They put reserve defensive back Tyson Anderson on injured reserve. He's had a knee injury, so he is now off the roster. They called up a tight end yesterday, Tanner Hudson. Um, been a practice squad tight end, so they curiously have four tight ends on the roster. Um, so I don't know if that's in preparation for this week's game plan per se or just a the way they want to go right now. Maybe they're looking to go heavy 12 personnel. Who knows? Um, but I thought that was interesting. You know, you're always trying to read the tea leaves on some of these roster moves late in the week. Yeah, it's like the, like last week when Amendola got called up,
0: you know, and it was a tip-off as to what they were going to do. When Knox went down, all of a sudden the Bills got like 9,000 receivers on their squad and one tight end. You kind of knew you mean Isabella? Yeah, Isabella. What, who'd I say? said Danny Amendola. Amadola. <laughs> How about that?
1: The, Same kind of player. Andy Isabella. <laughs>
0: um yeah, so when that yeah, so you knew that was kind of happening, which is kind of the way this looks like with four tight ends on your roster. Something
1: smells. Yeah, you yeah, you kind of wonder what are they trying, what are they trying to do here? Yeah. Uh 803-0550-1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. The OBL Fan Friday mailbag. Is open. We do want to remind you. our number two of the show will feature none other than Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, and also co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. And undoubtedly, hmm. this game, I would anticipate, will have a segment yeah. on the Matchup Show this weekend. Don't Miami, you think?
0: Miami KC is going to be a big yeah. One well, too.
1: they do a they do. I think they do and three or four games.
0: Least, yes, this will be one of their markets. Cowboys games. Eagles is probably yeah, another one. That'll be a big one. That'll be the game. You think so? Because of the television markets. All right. That'll be the game. Cowboys Eagles. And then it'll be Ah, that's that's a good call. I don't know which one. I don't know which game they would like better. Those are all
1: quality games. It was interesting looking at the schedule this week. There's some it's a big There game. are there are four really really good games and yeah. the other ones are kind of like meh. Yeah. Like Steelers Titans last night for example. Right. Uh, I didn't watch a second of it. I did. Yeah. What would you I think? Did. Was it a slog or? A little bit.
0: Um, I'll say this. Will Levis seems to me like that's a guy. Uh, I liked him. Second start and did some. Now, he made some throws that, you know, I don't know. He, he reminds you, he's a little bit like Josh without being able to run like Josh. He's mm-hmm. got an arm. He's got a rope, man. That guy's got a hose. And he can, he can sling it. And he's got a pro body, he's a big, tall kid, looks the part, and can sling it. And he made some really nice throws and decisions. I, I was, for a second start, I was like, wow, that's pretty good. It yeah. really was. It was really good.
1: Against that defense in their building. Yes,
0: in their building. I, I was, I got to say, I was impressed with Will Levis last night. Now, he didn't yeah. win, but he had a chance at the end. Right. He had a chance. Threw a pick in the end zone, right? Threw a pick in the He actually threw two. One of them got dropped. Uh but yeah,
1: he 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 played well. He played well on a team that's not very good. Yeah. Be interesting to see if they continue with him once Tannehill is healthy.
0: I think they should. I liked him, man. I you gotta give that guy rest. I mean, he's
1: gonna have growing pains. You know that.
0: Right. I mean Tennessee is three and five. They could have got they could have gotten to four and four yesterday, which was you know, okay. But they're three and five. They were two and five when he took over. He's one and one as a starter. Uh, and coming up, Tennessee's got Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, and Carolina, and Indianapolis. So that to me, yeah, I think you got to stick with the guy. They're not playing bad around him, but I, I liked it. It was a good game last night. I, I Pittsburgh's got some guys doing some stuff you don't see very much. I mean. Pickens should have had a touchdown last night and couldn't get his other foot down. I don't know what he was thinking, but they come back and they take the lead, 2016, and then with a minute 54 and one time out, Levis gets him down the field, and you know gives him a chance. I mean, a really good chance. Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't know. It's just you know who knows. They, they, I don't know what they're thinking at the higher ups in their in the Titan organization, but I think you got to give Will Levis reps. Now he's going to get him no matter what because Tannehill's still hurt.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't know how long he's going to be out. I didn't see the prognosis for Not him, either. but I don't know if it's any time soon. But I I mean, I was like,
0: man, oh, man.
1: He looks... Good player. Yeah, he is a good player. Uh, he's a good player. Yeah, he was always super talented. So, yeah, be interesting to see how his career progresses. So the four games on the slate this week that are dynamite, Dolphins, Chiefs, Seahawks, Ravens. Yes. Bills, Bengals. Cowboys, Eagles, and then you know maybe your number five game is Chargers, Jets, Jets,
0: yeah, Monday Night Football,
1: yeah, that's probably your, that's your number five four and game. three Jets against the but three some and of four these, Chargers. Some of these other ones are Yuck City, the Giants, Browns, and the Raiders, Browns, Cardinals, Colts, Panthers, Patriots, Commanders, look, Bears, Saints, oh god, two and two, Bucks and the Texans, like, good lord, yeah. So yeah. it's it's a weekend of haves and have-nots. The
0: Texans and the Buccaneers is it's 3 and 4 against 3 and 4. Yeah. And no one cares. I'm taking the Houston Texans on that. They're a they're a plucky bunch, they're there, a Steve. They're plucky. That's they're exactly a plucky the word. Bunch. Plucky. That's the word I was going about to come out of
1: my mouth, plucky. And you know, But like you- even Vikings Falcons, like Two teams. You don't know who's starting a quarterback for either team because Desmond Ritter got benched last week. Cousins is out. Is Josh Dobbs going to start, or is it going to be Jaron Hall, the rookie for they Minnesota, or for Nick Mullins? They,
0: they got to get Dobbs in there and let him turn him
1: loose in man. four days. What? Four days prep.
0: Yeah, you're doing it. I got. I got to see him look. I got to see him. <laughs> I gotta see him. <laughs> Let me see what he's doing first. I want to talk to him, look him in his eyes, say, "How are you getting this? Is it going all right?" And if he "Are says, you feeling ah, okay?" Yeah. If I get any doubt, if I, if there's any really shadow of a doubt, he sits. Right.
1: Uh, yeah i I gotta tell you, I'd be surprised if he plays.
0: Um, quarterback's a little different animal than defensive tackle that we were talking about with. You know, Linval Joseph and corner with the, with you know Rasul Douglas for the Bills here. They just got in this week, and we were talking about having them play. Quarterback's a different animal, though. A really different animal. So, I mean, just the opposite. You think some most of these guys, Josh Dobbs, just walking in the building, he's been playing all season.
1: Yeah, he's been playing all season. That is true. There is there is validity to that. You know, so, game speed, yeah, all that I mean,
0: stuff. He's he's on it, but he's got to learn the language, which basically is all you got to do. True, right? I mean, just take the reps. Well, the you do
1: have to get some timing down with the Look, guys yes, you're throwing to. But you, yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. But I think you, you know, once you get the words out, it's all just you know you go go play football. You know, and you got the radio in your ear. Say, call this play. Yeah. Remember, look at the left safety, and then take the check down after that. You know, and he'll and you Dobbs will know. Hey, I'm looking at my first three. If it's not there, I'm checking it down. Mm. You know, I'm not going to number two. I'm not going to look in the backside. I'm in all that stuff. Just take the check down, or I'm just taking off and running. Right. So, you know, there's all of that going on,
1: and he's had four days, and it's not his first rodeo. Well, he just did it earlier this season. Got, 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 got traded to Arizona, and boom, he's on the field. It's a shorter time frame now, though. Four oh, days, man. man. Like. Come on. I, you got to turn it on. You just want to see a circus. That's I, what you want to I see. I want to see. You want a circus. Mayhem. Yeah, you want a circus. You want chaos. What
0: are you doing? It'll be great.
1: <laughs> the latest edition of Football Follies. You remember those is, Football yes. Follies? Is our is our just traded for
0: veteran quarterback better than your backup? Backup rookie who you who we don't even know his name. Yeah. That's the question
1: and that will be decided in Vikings Falcon. <laughs> Kickoff is next. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> after we've after we've, you know, teased that game how great it's going to be, how, how awful it good teams, Lord. Oh my gosh.
1: Uh, let's go to the phones as the OBL Fan Friday mailbag is open. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. 1-888-550-2550. 550 is an open line for you there, but we begin with Tom on the west side. Let me pull him up here. What do you got for us, Tom? You're on One Bills Live.
2: Good afternoon, gents. How are we doing? I got got a psychological question for you. Oh, boy. Okay, well, it's a coaching question, really. Do you think the Bills should go heavy dime to cover Chase, Higgins, and Boyd, or would you go heavy up front to cover Mixon?
1: Yeah, I I think that's a down-and-distance answer, Tom, more than anything else, and you try to play the down-and-distance tendencies of the Bengals and hope they don't break those tendencies all that often. And we talked to Dan Orlovsky about this on Tuesday when we had him on the show, because I I said, look, the the Bills used their dime package on almost 40% of their snaps on defense last week, and for the most part, it worked well. Poyer did very well up near the line of scrimmage where he's comfortable. He's a great blitzer. So it worked. But that's on tape now, and other teams can prepare for it. And I think... The the one thing you have to be careful of, to Tom's point, is getting run all over when you have lighter guys on the field.
0: Right. I'll say this: if I mean,
1: I I I'm, I'm leaning towards
0: going dime or nickel at least, um, because I think in this game, if the Bengals want to run it, and if you can keep them from going explosive in the run game, let them run it.
1: Yeah, it's almost you know, a game where you want to stop the pass first, let right? Ru-
0: yeah, let them run it. It's a throwing league. They're going to throw the ball 60% of the time anyway. Let them let them th- let them run it 60% of the time. It's hard and and you got to then you got to, you know, put your offense on the field and say, right. "Hey, you got to
1: go score some points." How much of an impact in that decision making does last year's playoff game play into that because of how effectively they ran against the Bills last year. Might that like yeah. That reduce the number of dime calls that Coach McDermott decides to use. Maybe, but I, th- you know, this is a different group up front. It is. So, uh,
0: you know, you got to trust your guys a little bit, but it- you got to self evaluate, no question. You got to, hey, can-
1: are we better up front? What happened last year that got us nicked? With three backup linemen for the Bengals. Let's not forget that. Right, right. You didn't have Daquan, but they didn't have three starters on their offensive line.
0: That's right. Um, how much is the difference? Is that going to make in this game? Can we are we better against the run with our front six than we were last year? And you got to evaluate and are they better or are they worse or how good are they now yeah. this year? That this and year they've struggled, but they ain't the same group either with the same philosophy.
1: Yeah, it was pretty interesting watching the Bengals Niners game last week. The the Bengals in an effort to neutralize San Francisco's, you know. Two back, one tight end set. They use the fifty front sometimes. Right. They don't play five defensive linemen, but they did last week, right. and it worked. Right, they took them right out of it.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if, yeah, if the Bills have anything like that up their sleeve, where they're going to transform their the identity of their defense. McDermott has never done that before. I imagine yeah, they're gonna, I, We're going to do with what we're going to yeah, go with I'm what not we've anticipating seen. Anticipating it either. Uh, I think. That's what it boils down to is how confident are the bills they can do something against this Miami, this Cincinnati offense in the run defense department and still stay covered up in the back end. So I, I would say dimes is probably more prevalent because Miami's a prevalently throwing football team. If you want to change it up, you know go two defensive linemen, four linebackers, and go and then invite them to run, you know. Um but you got to be able to stop it. You know, you got to get them to third down. Yeah. But I think the problem is if you get them into third and four plus, you got a you got a chance. But this second and one, third and half is where you get crushed. You know, you got to win on first and second down, particularly if they're going to hand the ball off. So I, you know, you know, Tom and on the west side, I think the Bills invite him to run a little bit because I think they feel like they'll be better in the run game than they were in January.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I'd feel even better about it if Mixon did not have his best game of the season last week, where he had over 100 total yards from scrimmage, 87 on the ground. That's a real problem.
0: Because here's the thing. My, the, the statistics say Cincinnati's not that good offensively. But they stunk the first two weeks of the season so right, bad because Burrow their numbers was hurt. down. So all their numbers look bad. They look like they can't run, they can't pass. They're, all this stuff's going – but they're playing really high at a high level now because they you know, they flipped the switch when Burrow got healthy. So all of that makes a difference. You can't really look at the statistics of this game of Cincinnati and say that's the team you're going to face because it's not. So, you know, the Niners – with all the, the horses they've got up front, they couldn't get Burrow on the ground last week. And, you know, they got a bunch of playmakers out there. So it's a, they're a load, as you, as you well know. Yeah.
1: Let's uh, go to the tweet sheet to crack open some questions there in the OBL Friday Fan Mailbag. And uh, we begin with Nick, who asks, once he's fully acclimated into the offense, does Fournette get more snaps per game than Murray. I think it's possible because of some of the things we just mentioned earlier. He offers you more on third down because he is a more dangerous pass-catching threat. The other thing we should note is he has not had a lot of opportunities in terms of carries this season, but with each successive week, Latavius Murray's yards per carry average has been coming down. Down, down, down. I mean... Earlier in the season, you know, he was up around 4.6 per carry and now I believe he's a yard under that. I want to say he is 3.6 on the year. I'll double check it, but I think I'm right on that. So, some of that some of that has to do with the situations he's been in. He's does. A short,
0: short yardage. yardage. I he's get a it. short yardage, dude. And that and so that drags it down quick, particularly when that's the bulk of your carries. Yeah, 3.6. Um, I'm I'm not too worried about the yards per carry because of the situational nature of how they u- they're they using him. So – but I, I'm with you. If they feel like and, – and here's the thing, too. The guy's in his early 30s. Um, if they feel like he's going to wear down yeah. and they want Fournette to be one more fresh set of legs and give Murray, you know, a handful of carries a game that he can really get out and go rather than that. And Fournette, like we said – you get a guy off the street or whatever, and he comes in, he acclimates. Man, you you kind of want to feed him right off the bat. You know what I mean? I get it. They don't know where he's at. They don't know what he's like. They don't know – you know, the other team hasn't seen him play in your jerseys. You know, they don't even know what he's going to do for your offense or what he's going to be capable of doing. So get him yeah. out there, and the element of we don't know what's going on here is going to help you a little bit against Cincinnati defense that hasn't seen the guy. Um, there's that. You know – all. Teach the guy like six – you heard it. They ran like a, a dozen RPOs. concepts yeah. last week. Give him half of those and see what he can do. And when he comes in, we we'll run one of them.
1: Right. The, half the RPOs passing game and then the, the 100% of the run game if he wants it. Now, what do you think of this new defensive answer to the RPO game? The Jets unveiled it against the Philadelphia Eagles earlier this season and actually were the first team to beat them. We were talking to Dan Orlovsky on Tuesday. He wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati turns to it as well. What happens is, knowing that the Bills offense is RPO-centric, so too is Cincinnati's for what it's worth, he's wondering if Cincinnati will crowd the line of scrimmage with six, seven defenders to force Josh to take the run play off and run a pass play and then at the snap, drop everybody out and basically rush two or three guys mm-hmm. and drop eight. Mm-hmm. That's what the Jets did to Philadelphia. They beat them. First loss of the season. And other teams have followed suit here in successive weeks to defeat the RPO game. You think Cincinnati might turn to that? Well, it's a copycat league. I yeah. Mean, yeah, They'll try it. They'll put it in their arsenal for sure. I wonder Don't, if the Bills should too.
0: Why not? You know? You know, I, I yeah. mean,
1: we've seen Sean McDermott use simulated pressures already this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, Maybe not to that degree, but... Yeah, all of this stuff is probably on the table, no question, Brian, but it comes down to, you know, when's your coordinator going to call it? You know, when's he going to feel like it'll work? When's he going to yeah. feel like they're running this RPO stuff? And are they going to run this RPO stuff like time after time after time? Are we going to have to keep doing this? Are they? Are we going to all of a sudden start to be like, uh, you know... You can't do the same defense against the same thing every time, or they'll, they'll right. nick you all of a sudden. And the same same thing. You can't run the same play over and over offensively. Which is either. why same I think thing. they've
1: got to be a lot more complex this week than they were last week with the offensive game plan. Yeah. Because this, this coordinator, he's going to catch on real yeah, quick. he'll dial it in fast.
0: It seems like they do that, yeah. Uh, rumo has been really good. Really good. Uh, this, listen, they're, they're a contender for a reason. Now, conversely... So the team they're playing this week, uh, McDermott and Dorsey and all these guys are dialed in too. So uh, we can we can holler all we want about the Bills, you know, where they sputter or do this or that or the injuries and all that stuff. They're still a tough team to beat. This is a great game. And I, and Cincinnati's not looking past them, no question. This is a game people want to see because the Bills are, in this current point in history, a measuring stick for a lot of teams because of Josh and because of – of the defense and because of all their guys. Uh Burrow and his crew are the exact same. They're the exact same. That's yeah. why this is a this is a huge game. I these two coordinators defensively, they're they're facing two of the offenses in the NFL of a handful of offenses in the NFL that are hard to get you know, they're hard to defend. They're hard to defend. Steph Diggs is having a better season just by a hair than Chase uh, then Le- LeVar um, Chase. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. He's having a better season by a hair than Jamar Chase is. They're both right up at the top. Joe Burrow. Josh, Josh is in, the, in yeah. the, the MVP conversation. I mean, they they got some guys, b- both these squads. So it's uh, that's the measuring stick for these two defenses is how they're going to do it. And do they have to come up with something like Anarumo comes up with something cockamamie, like five down, 50 front. Bills don't do that.
1: Yeah. They really don't change their spots.
0: Bills don't do that. So it's 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 fun to think about and watch. But I don't know. It comes down to the players on the field as much as it does the the coordinators calling the stuff and the creativeness of the of the offensive guys. You got to have a plan for it, but I don't know. I I just don't think the Bills are going to change their spots defensively like the Bengals seem to like to do.
1: We have to take a break, but when we come back, it is one of our favorite segments of the week. Excuse me, Mr. Tasker. We'll see what the winning question is for Steve this week and what story ensues afterwards. Coming up next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here on a Friday. Time now for Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker, presented by Total Sports Enterprises, an official sports memorabilia partner of the Buffalo Bills. We solicited fans to submit their questions or their requests for a story from Wall of Famer Steve Tasker. Winners selected at random will receive a premium mystery box of signed items. This could be a Bruce Smith-signed photo or a Stefan Diggs-signed jersey or even a signed Jim Kelly replica helmet. Rules do apply. Visit buffalobills.com slash TSE Tasker for more. This week's winner is Michelle, who asks, Steve, going into the 1995 Dolphins playoff game, did you think you were going to have 108 yards receiving and a touchdown in the first half.
0: I did not. There's a lot of – that was uh, – this was Don Shula's final game as head coach of the Dolphins, too, it turned out. He retired after this. And I didn't know it was going to be a game like that. The The story I tell – I remember about this game, I was having a – you know, like I said, I had 108 yards and a touchdown in the first half, and it was going good. And the thing that I remember, we were up big, and my touchdown – I don't know whether – my. I think it was my only touchdown uh, – came right and put it like 28 to three or something. And that really kind of drove the nail in the coffin in the first, they were done after that. And I remember before I scored it, the dolphins were going to punt. And my, one of my closest friends ever is the punter for the dolphins, John Kidd, who was a fifth round draft pick of the bills. Mm -hmm. I played with him here for a couple of years. Then he went to San Diego. Then he was back with the dolphins and he punted for them for like three years. And I had told my buddy, John, bro, if I ever return a punt against you for a touchdown, I will embarrass you, myself, and the entire National Football League with my celebration. <laughs> we will, people will talk about it for 50 years. If I, if I score on you, I will absolutely go nuts. They run a fake punt. He's going to punt it to me. Yeah. They run a fake punt, and by this time – you know, I'm in my 11th year or whatever, and he's in his, like, 13th year or 12th year. We're old. And he, he takes off and runs for the first down, and I'm going down to tackle him, and he's about to get – he kind of makes a move. He, I'm coming in, and I'm, I'm, I cover kicks. I'm ready to tackle him, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out, and, I'm, you know, I'm going to light my boy up. This is a touchdown right here. I mean, I'm going to light him up this is the old day there's no player safety man Yeah. like just so i'm i'm going to come in and clean up on him and he sees me and he's going to cut back we both have this huge plan where we're going to he's going to embarrass me and i'm going to crush him he plants to cut back sli- slips and pulls a hammy i i twing my hammy and the same thing and instead of embarrassing each other we're make, we're both laying on the ground hurt <laughs> And we, we talk about it to this day. I think I, I, I made it off. I don't know if I ever actually went down, but I made it off the field. I didn't play the rest of the day. I didn't play the second half. Oh. And I actually had to take a needle to play the next week in, in Pittsburgh where we lost. But that game, it was Don Shula's final game, and we, we lit him up. It was good. The the Canadian Comet, Timmy Tyndale, yeah. going in for the big long one late in the game. It was great. Um, but that was in 95 when after – playing in nine or ten years, well eleven years in the league, I finally got a chance to play receiver on yeah. a regular basis. Because there was a train wreck or something. We had like nine guys hurt and they finally had to put me in. And Jim it, yeah,
1: was, it was great. Basically you, Billy Brooks and And some I think other
0: it was guys. I don't know if it was Russell, Russell Copeland. Copeland, I think it was. But they put me in <laughs> Jim had been lobbying, saying he wanted me to play a lot. He because I was, you know, nice one-on-one guy, and, and I, I could read Jim's mind about what he wanted his receivers to do. And I was always where he wanted me to be, and he loved it. Right. So we, so when I got in there, forget about who the play was called to. Jim was throwing it to me. Yeah. So I was looking like I was a world beater because <laughs> Jim <laughs> was like making a point about. I told well, you. Plus, was,
1: didn't they put Lewis Oliver on you or somebody like somebody that was really tall? Uh, it wasn't Louis. And not was, built as uh, low to the ground
0: they the, the way they're the way oliva Dotti had adjusted his defense the defensive coordinator for the dolphins yeah, tom oliva tom and oliva Dottie, he brought when we got into a when we shifted into something they brought a safety down and yeah he couldn't
1: yeah you want a safety that's yeah, yeah. i did that. i
0: the the touchdown i caught i didn't even run that good a route. i mean i just went i just bent it out and went to the corner i outran him and uh caught it and I was tell I told I called the play early. I said, "Jim, if that guy comes down, that safety comes down, you see him, throw it to me. He cannot cover me." And uh lo and behold, he did it. He told me good he gets good call. After we high double high fived after the, he had a good call. I was like, "Sweet." <laughs> it's the only time it ever happened. But yeah, that was the the thing I remember about that game wasn't my that I was playing good and doing
1: all that stuff. It was it was Don Shula's last game. Yeah. That's That's what I remember. Pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, We pivot from, and congratulations to Michelle, our winner this week, and excuse me, Mr. Tasker, you'll be getting a uh, mystery box of Bill's memorabilia. Good luck uh, with opening that up. That should be fun. But we pivot now to Sound Bits, which, as we know, is presented by Tim Hortons. In this week's edition, some Bill's newcomers react to joining the team Josh Allen prepares for the Bengals rematch. Let's listen in now to sound bits.
2: Obviously, last couple days acquired a couple players. Um, Rasul Douglas by a trade. He really found his groove in Green Bay, and um, you know, obviously, we we've been looking at corners for weeks now since Trey went down, and teams aren't openly willing to give those, and it wasn't easy. It was back and forth. Green Bay did not want to lose him. You know, it took. You know a couple of days i mean i called on him even last week and you know they they were not planning to do it but we finally made it attractive enough for them to do it
1: i watched uh rasul just from from you know watching green bay games um i just met him for the first time out there um obviously seems like a great dude and and uh i know from watching him on tv just the the plays that he's made um and and uh you know, physical play that he's been able to to show on TV. I'm,
2: I love it, uh, and, and uh, I know he's gonna be able to help out this secondary and help out this defense. I came here to play and make plays for this organization, so that's really my focus, is doing whatever the team need me to do, um, whether it's this week, next week, whatever week it may be, and just play my heart out. They've been close, but haven't yet finished. i just just trying to get over that hump, so that was my initial thoughts. You know, to have a guy like that on our team, man, it's it's gonna make us way better. Um, you know, losing Trey was
0: tough, and you know you got uh, Rasul to kind of you know fill that void. Kind of, you can you can never fill it all the way up because Trey Trey White is Trey White. But you know, to have Rasul on our team is is uh is uh is huge for us.
3: Still got a lot left in the in the tank to play, so it was all about the the right opportunity okay. with the right team. Josh, doing a great job, and yeah, the, uh, the guys they brought along for the offense, also defense-wise, too. Uh, It's tremendous, guys, and that's going to ball all across the board. It feels good to be here at one, and this defense is the defense I played in Minnesota,
0: attacking 4-3, and it's nice to feel that again. So just being out here, getting a chance to do the things I used to do, it, it feels really, really good. This team is special.
1: You know, the locker room
0: is special. The guys are special. I know I'm new here, but... I feel like I've been here this whole season just off of the meeting, just being here in the
1: last 24 hours. They score points and they can score points on the ground. They can score points in the air.
3: Um, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, uh, one of the top receiving groups, cores in the league, you know, and so uh, I just.
1: You know, we're confident in our team, yes, um, but we know the challenge that lies ahead.
2: It is going to be one of those games where we're going to have to play extremely well to win and find ways to take the football away. But, you know, it's a really good offense with, you know, really good skill position players and, you know, a solid offensive line. And so, you know, when they're able to get in a rhythm and, you know, Burrow's able to get in a rhythm and, and put the ball on his receivers and, you know, you know there's, there's yards after catch. And so, um, you know, it's going to be a big task for us. Um, we had a great day today at practice. Um, just continuing to prepare and continue to just evolve as a, as a, a defense uh, we
4: got to start faster we got to play uh together as a team
2: three-dimensional and well, however the game ends after that win or lose or draw then i, I can put my head down tonight uh, they got a lot of challenges uh, they got a great offense you know what i mean uh, a great quarterback great receivers they can spread the ball around run the ball so we just got to execute
4: yeah it's hard to tell exactly how guys are going to feel um exactly how i'm going to feel um you know, I'm trying to take it as the, uh, it's, it's a normal game. Um, you know, we don't make any any bigger or, or less than the previous or the next one. Um, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of emotions flowing through some guys there and, and being back on that field, especially tomorrow. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we've got we got a job to do and uh, we got to figure out how, how we can either use it to motivate us or, or put it behind us and, and focus towards, um, you know, the game on Sunday night.
1: So that is Sound Bits presented by Tim Hortons. We take a break here, but back to your phone calls when we return. Mark and Jersey City will lead us off when we come back. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. It's another away game week, so we're giving away a signed Dalton Kincaid football. Enter today at buffalobills.com slash giveaway. Let's get to the phones at 803-0550 as the OBL Fan Friday mailbag is open. And we go to Mark in Jersey City next. What do you got for us, Mark?
4: Good afternoon, gentlemen. Oh, Justin Armour was the other receiver that year, Steve.
1: Justin <laughs> yeah, Armour. Right. Wow.
4: Yeah, that's a real blast from the past. Um, but they, Bills are going to be completely different team on Sunday. So will the, so will the, the Bengals, I mean their back end, middle of their defense, Von Bell, Jesse Bates are gone. Eli Apple was a pest that game for some reason, and he's gone. Not that many people take him seriously. I think I told you C B. Mike Hinton is the guy that the Bills have to watch. Him and Logan Wilson tell tell you exactly what their defense is going to do every time it's not like they beat up the 49ers last week. The 49ers was constantly shot themselves in the foot. I know the Bengals had a red zone turnover themselves, but I believe the 49ers had like two, it was insane the way yeah, they changed those. And yeah, the bills were a mash unit psychologically and physically. I, I even, even at Oliver had his shoulder in a harness, never really talked about that much, but the bills defense is almost, I don't, I, you could do the numbers. Their linebacker unit is different. Bernard and, uh, and um, I don't know if it's going to be Austin or Williams. Yeah. And then the secondary, there was no hide. The, the corners are different. Elam and White started the game at corner. And uh, Dean Marlowe was the other safety. And Poyer was a mummy last year. Yeah. <laughs> so th- th- this th- this is going to be a completely different unit. And up front, they're completely different health-wise. So that's, I think that's what's going to make it very interesting to see the chess pieces, how they're used at full health this year for the bills.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. And you're right. Mike Hilton, their nickel corner is he's, he's a dog, man. That guy plays physical brand of football came over from the Steelers. Um, Really good player for them. Like he's right up there with Taron Johnson and he's a little bit bigger too. So yeah, um, it is a different game. I don't think there's any question about that. And I'm really, I want to believe that the Bills are going to bring some extra juice into this thing. That is a tough environment to play. We know that. But, you know, you still see the Bengals chirping this week. You know, Tyler Boyd bringing up the whole snow comment by Isaiah McKenzie again. And, like, I'm sitting here in this chair, and I'm tired of it. Like, can you imagine what the guys in the locker room, like, they got to be fed up. Like, yeah. let's shut these doors. Joker's up already. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you look at this you look at the last 5 games, Steve, and the Bills have traded wins for losses every week. Win, mm-hmm. loss, win, mm-hmm. loss, win. And it's like you got to get back to a consistent level of play and start stacking some wins here. Yeah, and it, it, what it comes down to for all of us out here
0: is that this this game as much as we for us it's another game with Cincinnati, we just had the playoff game eight months ago, and then before that, it was a Monday night game that we saw a little bit of, and you know, so this is another one of those games. But these—it's virtually a vastly different defense that the Bills are putting out there. It's a vastly different defense that the Bengals are putting out there, and it's a different group offensively for the Bills as well. A different kind of—you know—still Josh and Diggs, but it's also Cook and Kincaid as well. I mean, it, and so there's a lot of different elements in this game. We don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know how it's going to play out. Um, so, you know, I, it's the old adage, you know, it's why they got to play the game. But nothing about those other games. I, it feels to me, this feels like a vastly different game for the Buffalo Bills than it was eight months ago or nine months ago for the Monday Night game. It just feels like a vastly different atmosphere, different team, different vibe. You know, a lot more players that are differently important. Vaughn was hurt that, you know, then, and I don't know, you know, how, how's Vaughn going to play this week, this year, uh, in this game? You just don't know. The Bengals don't sack the quarterback very much. They got one guy with eight sacks, and the whole team has 12. So they got, you know, Dick, what's his name? Dickens? What's his name? Dixon? What's the, the sack guy's name for Cincinnati? Trey Hendrickson. Dre Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson. Eight sacks. Uh, yeah, he's got eight sacks nobody you know they got four as a team aside from that they don't sack the quarterback so you would think josh gonna have a chance to throw the football where he wants to throw it you know it's just a lot in this game that you don't know about i'm it's it's really interesting when you get when you bore down on it about the personnel differences than what it was in january about where the differences are the team when the teams you know uh it's just really going to be an interesting game. Um, it is a difficult game. I mean, both these clubs are looking at a good team, and you'd like to see your team measure up somehow, some way. But the, you, know, you said it. I mean, you just don't. This is a, this is a pick 'em game to me. Uh, and, the, and the Bengals are
1: favored for a reason. Yeah. Let's go to Mark in West Seneca from one mark to another. What do you got for us, Mark?
3: Hey, guys. How are you today? Good. good. Hey, I was listening to Steve talk. About uh, getting into that game and catching all the you know 100 yards and TD and all that, uh, it, it, and it arose in me one of my pet peeves, which for pro sports, and I see it in hockey more than football. But guys who are talented and they get pigeonholed into roles teams need them to fill, and then don't truly get opportunities to show what they can do. More than that, I Steve, I'm sure you're very happy with how your career panned out and everything. But I was curious as to how you truly feel about the fact that you never really did get an opportunity to show what you could do as a, a wide receiver. You mentioned several times that uh, Jim used to bang the drum for you to play more and all that. And as Jim was seeing it, I don't understand how coaches weren't. Uh, and it sort of, for me, correlates to a little bit to Gabe Davis on the current roster. Uh, Gabe has been here, and he's typically run certain routes. Uh, deep threat, sideline routes, typically for the most part. And then for whatever reason last week, uh, Dorsey decided to give him opportunities to run routes we typically didn't see him do. And he had a career day and huge production. Again, a guy pigeonholed into doing a certain thing to make the offense work a certain way, but then doesn't get an opportunity to show what he can truly do in other situations. And I hope that doesn't continue. Uh, I hope Dorsey is up this week to the challenge of going against Anorama or, or however you say his name. Yeah, Anarumo. Uh, Anarumo. yeah. I mean, because that guy is high-quality e, e defensive coordinator and right up there with the best in the league. So uh, I think that's where the game's going to be won. I really, truly think uh, it's going to be the scheme Dorsey comes up with in the game against him. And then, if it's not working, can he change quick enough to really be a threat after that so but yeah. Steve, I was really curious how you feel about all that thanks guys um,
0: thanks. yeah that yeah, you can see it happen um i you're right i'm I wouldn't change too much about my career. I might have dodged a big hit or two, <laughs> but other than that, I wouldn't change much, and I was never bitter about it i i It was hard to get on that team. It was a hard roster to make, let alone contribute to, and I was sitting over there, they ran three wides a lot and the 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 logic behind behind me not playing wide receiver a little bit of it was I would have been the third guy cuz you had James Lofton and Andre Reed both of them by the way are in the Hall of Fame. So you're not going to put me ahead of the pecking order any one of those guy either one of those guys. So if I go in and play third wide receiver, are you going to get more out of me at third wide receiver or are you going to get more out of me as an all-pro special teams guy and that they made that decision and I was fine with it. I'm and I probably had a longer career as a special teams player than I would have as a wide receiver because I had trouble staying healthy as a wide receiver. It's that simple. And and some of that probably does go on today in today's game. I don't think that much has changed.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gabe Davis, I think you could at least make the argument that Mark is making that he has been somewhat pigeonholed running those deeper, more down-the-field routes, which inherently are lower-percentage plays, lower-percentage completions, he runs underneath routes. I mean, I almost fell out of my chair when he ran a quick slant last week. I was like, "When, when we've last seen that? Right. I don't know if we've ever seen it That's right. from Gabe Davis." And it was the result was a single game career high nine receptions. Right. So I think there's something to be said for that, and you kind of hope like watching it back on film, they're like, "You know what? We got to do more of this. Yeah, you we got to do more of this."
0: There's no question. Opportunities come from coaching decisions. Um, you can earn more by playing well, but even the chance to earn more comes with an opportunity, right? It's, it's because of an opportunity. So there's a lot in that. Um, and I'm not – you know, we're not going to – you'll never give everybody every opportunity they could ever want. And some guys' careers are changed by it. I, who knows? I, it, I, I know this. It's not a deliberate attempt to keep Gabe Davis down. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. It's just like it wasn't for me either. So uh, they're trying to win games. And sometimes you get caught up in guys – get overlooked or whatever um it's just the mechanics of being a human being i think more than anything
1: we've got to take a break here but greg cosell senior producer from nfl films joins us next to dice up bills Bengals here on one bills live presented by collider health it's buffalo bills radio
0: By Kaleida Health.
1: All right, hour number two on a Friday means only one thing. Senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, joining us, also host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. And might this be a matchup that shows up on that said program? We'll find out in a second. But every uh-huh. appearance by one Greg Cosell is brought to you by Scott Lanyard, <laughs> an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. Does it make the cut this week, Greg?
2: Well, I, I'm glad to see you guys are rocking the sweatshirts, uh, and and yes, it's uh, it's a full segment game, uh, Brownie. So yeah, it it it, it kind of made the cut because it's one of the biggest games on the schedule.
0: Well, we always go casual Friday, which is why the ch- and you always go shirt and tie Friday so. for taping. Yeah. Well, because yeah, we
2: shoot the matchup show every Friday morning. So. I know. So you I, dress you know, up. one I'm day required we- to look. At least semi-classy, Steve, you know?
0: We dress down once a week. You dress up once a week. That's all there is. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Give us a night. What are your thoughts about this? What's the matchup look like to you guys?
2: Well, you know, I think one thing that we looked hard at in this game was the Bengals on first down because over the last three weeks, Joe Burrow has been ridiculously good throwing the ball on first down. In fact, he's forty-three for fifty-two throwing the ball on first down the last three weeks. So uh, that's something I think that that needs to be dealt with. Most coaches, most defensive players would tell you that first down is normally the best down to throw on. So I think that's something that the the Bills' defense has to be extremely aware of, and they have to do something to 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 minimize that. You're not going to take it away. Um, but you need to minimize it. We'll get into more of the matchup in just a second here, but the
1: bills have three new additions to the roster. Linval Joseph, uh, the defensive tackle signs as a free agent. He's 35 years old, but he played eight games for the Eagles last year. And looks like he's still got a little juice left in the tank. And we know the bills are still trying to shore up their run front after the loss of Daquan Jones for the rest of the season, potentially with the torn peck. Um, How do you see him coming in and and being a help here? What's his skill set?
2: Well, Brownie, all I can tell you is what he did last year. He came off the couch last year just as he's coming off the couch this year, and he played really, really well for the Eagles as their basic, you know, nose, uh, one technique, did a really good job in the run game. That's his thing. Um, He's a strong interior presence Uh, he, he can hold up at the point of attack. He can stalemate blocks. He can still defeat double teams at times. Um, so again, all I have to go on is what he did a year ago. Let's assume he's the same player. Then, then he's a very, very strong interior run defender.
0: And what about Rasul Douglas from the Packers?
2: Yeah, Rasul Douglas is an interesting guy, uh, Steve, he's been in the league quite a while. He's played both outside and in the slot. Obviously, they got him to play outside because he's not going to play in the slot. Um, You know, he's always been a guy that's been a really good kind of keyer and cluer of routes and the ball. Um, So, uh, you know, they're obviously looking for help at corner. That was that's clearly, you know, something that that they've struggled with this year. They've been playing Bedford and Jackson on the outside. Uh, you guys might know more obviously being in the building. Is is he likely to be one of the starters on the outside?
1: Not this week. Probably not this week. I wouldn't expect it this week, but maybe in due time,
2: yes.
0: Is he an is he an eyes on the quarterback kind of corner?
2: Yes. Yes. He's he's yeah, he's In that mold, Steve, you know, you've seen guys in your career, I'm sure I remember with the Eagles, Asante Samuel was very much like that. You know, I always use the term keyer and cluer. They sort of read the receiver through to the quarterback and they're they're very willing to jump routes. So every once in a while, they get beat. If I'm not mistaken, didn't they attack him last year when the Bills played the, the Packers? Didn't they catch him on a double move? They did, but he also had an interception in that game. Yeah, but I remember the double move it just popped into my head uh, because that's the kind of corner that he is. But he can make plays on the ball. He's always been that guy.
1: Yeah, maybe that game last year is a microcosm of who he is as a player. Uh, I think think,
2: it is. That's a great point, Brownie. I think you're right. Uh,
1: Moving ahead, though, the Bills last week used their dime package with three safeties on the field on 38% of their snaps. It's the most extensive use of it we've seen with Coach McDermott as the play caller. And for the most part, it worked pretty well. Poyer was, was a demon up close to the line of scrimmage there last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Racked up a ton of tackles. We already know he's a very good blitzer. This, this chiefly is their answer to replacing Milano at the second level in pass coverage. How much do or should we anticipate this being used going forward?
2: Um, I mean, that's obviously they did that. Uh, they played 22 snaps a dime against the, uh, the bucks, right? You know, I, I, I don't know if they would do that on first down. Look, the one thing, here's what we do know. We do know that the Bengals are a very, very high percentage, 11 personnel offense, meaning that they are going to play with three wide receivers on the field. I think they play, well over 80% of their offensive snaps with three wide receivers. Then it gets Brownie to be situational. Do you do that on first down? Are you doing that only on second and long or third down? I guess we won't know the answer to that. My guess is on first down, they will not play dime. But, you know, I think that that will be a meaningful part of what they do when you get into those longer yardage situations, for sure. It was effective. Poyer is really good in that spot. Uh, and then you still have Hyde uh, and and uh, um, rap on the back end. So I would expect to see it. It's just a matter of how much and and situationally. Are they doing anything in their passing
0: game differently now that Burrow can go under center and his calf seems healthy? Um, obviously they're doing some under center stuff that where they never did when his, when his calf was bothering him, um, and, and you can throw all their statistics out, right? I mean, they're completely, they're doing completely different stuff. Now that Burrow's healthy than they were in the first couple of weeks of the season, when they were struggling to get the ball down the field, how have they changed, um, and what are they doing now that they could not do early in the season?
2: Well, you know, uh, I think it's it's mostly a function of Burrow, Steve, because right. he couldn't move very well. Right. Um, and you could see it on tape. You could see that he was very conscious of, of the fact that he couldn't move well. Now he can move well. You know, Burrow is not a runner per se, but he's very light on his feet. I mean, he has you know, the term I've heard from some offensive coaches, which I love is he has outstanding operational movement. You know, he can move within the pocket exceptionally well, and he can get out of the pocket at times too. Um, but you know, this is, this is really an offense that runs through the pass game. I mean, they will run the ball. It's not as if they never run the ball, but it really runs through the pass game and burrow. You know, as I said, they're high percentage, um, 11 personnel, um, You know, so that's how they play. They don't play a lot of snaps with uh, two tight ends. Um, They get a lot of zone coverage because of their wide receivers. Burrow's one of the quickest processors in this league versus zone. I mean, he reads underneath defenders incredibly quickly and incredibly well, and he gets the ball out. Um, In a normal situation, when they're proactive with the passing game, which is why I mentioned the first down passing, He's tough to sack the sacks come normally and their O line is still not great, but their sacks come normally in the longer yardage situations when they throw it on first down, they don't really get sacked. Right. We know that, uh, you know, the bills turn
1: to RPOs is a good deal. So do the Bengals. And uh, I was curious because we saw the jets very effectively, neutralized Philadelphia's RPO game a few weeks ago by crowding the line of scrimmage to take the run away and then back everybody out. I'm wondering how much that has been copycatted across the league. And should we expect something like that
2: from Luana Rumo? Um, I I guess we don't know, but here's what I will say. I would say that you're likely to see the bills continue to use a a, a good dose of no huddle tempo because the one thing about no huddle tempo as you guys know is it shrinks the defensive menu it forces them to show their hand uh, because the ball could be snapped at any time put the game in Josh's hands let him determine that let him see what the front is let him see what the coverage is um, and therefore you minimize the ability of the defense to jump around pre-snap and 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 disguise with late rotation. It's hard to do that when you're playing against no huddle tempo, uh, as as we, we probably talked last week because we spoke after the game. But it's worth mentioning again is last week, uh, the ball came out of Josh Allen's hands from snap to throw quicker than in any game in his career. And I think a lot of that was indeed a function of the no huddle tempo because they played a uh, defense in the Bucks a little different than the Bengals but similar in the sense that the Bucks do a lot of things as do the Bengals and it really limits what you can do. So again, I'm not saying there'll be no huddle tempo on every snap, but I would think that's something they would want to continue to really limit what the Bengals can show and the disguise and lead rotation element of their defense.
0: Their inability to show different and more exotic defenses because of the pace of the offense is that the reason or one of the contributing factors? as to why so many more guys had so many more passes. It wasn't just, you know, digs with 15 targets. And, yep. You know what I mean? Is that is that one of the cause oh, and yeah. effects?
2: Yes, because now, because now scheme becomes more a factor, Steve, as opposed to individual players. Uh, you know, obviously you always hear, hey, critical situations, you got to go to your best guy. But, you know, don't forget, we talked about, Uh, the first down passing for the Bengals. Well, last week, Josh was 16 for 20 for 157 on first down, and a lot of that did come out of no huddle. So then the scheme becomes more of a factor than, hey, we got to feed one guy. And that's why Davis was a bigger factor. So yes, I mean, I I think your point is is truly well taken. I think that's the reason, because it becomes more scheme and tactics driven as opposed to individual driven. And then, you know, knowing that, Buffalo
1: was able to utilize other players with great effectiveness in the passing game last week. How much more does that, how much more difficult does that make them to defend across the field for the Bengals? I mean, it, it, as you know, it's largely been the dig show, you know, yeah. through the first six or seven games, you know, now Kincaid has 13 catches in his last two games Khalil Shakir has a single-game career-high 6-for-92. Even Gabe Davis has a regular-season single-game career-high 9 catches last week. How much does that muddy the waters for the Bengals' defense?
2: I mean, theoretically, it does. Uh, But I'll tell you one thing I'd look for, Brownie. We've seen Lou Anarum do, do this over the last number of years. He did it last week as well. It's part of what he does. It would not surprise me given the quick nature of the past game and how many balls were thrown inside the numbers to see him with the, with the three man rush and the eight in coverage to get that extra guy as an underneath defender. So, you know, maybe on those quick throws, all of a sudden Josh is ready to turn a loose and and boy, there's an extra defender underneath. So I would expect to see three man rush, eight in coverage with an extra guy in underneath coverage to try to take away some of those quick rhythm between the numbers throws.
0: The Bills play um, you know, a ton of zone. They're like 80% zone, yeah. and the Bengals are not. They're like 60% zone. Uh, does that mean you think that with a three-man rush, you you can play some man-to-man, and you can double-team a couple of guys if you're going to go eight-man drop, but do they? you think they'll play more zone because of that with eight guys across, the, or will they go as much man with a three man front. Um, I mean, they're not gonna, I, I hear My guess why I guess I asked this because if they go a three man rush, it's
2: almost has to be
0: zone coverage because Josh will just take off and run.
2: Right. Um, well, it becomes situational, Steve, as you know, I mean, they're not going to do it on 90% of the snaps. Right. So I think it'll be situational. Um, you know, so it's hard to know exactly when they would do it, but that's part of what Lou Anaramo does. And he's, you know, I, I remember in the playoffs a few years ago when they first beat the Chiefs in the second half of a the game, they, they made the adjustment and they did a lot of three man rush and eight man, eight men in coverage. And you know what they did is they took one of their their pass rushers basically on the side of Kelsey when Kelsey was close to the formation and they they used him to kind of jam Kelsey so it becomes specific to the opponent specific to the situation specific to the personnel but it's something that they will do um uh you know i think that they're a team that does that plays man that and that plays zone you know uh, th- they'll play both um again it'll be situational um you know an extra underneath defender for a quarterback can be tough. I remember listening to Peyton Manning on one of the Manning casts, I think it was last year, talk about how troublesome that is for a quarterback because all of a sudden you're ready to turn it loose and there's a guy where you don't expect him. And so again, you know, it's just something that will be part of their plan. Um, I'm just real curious to see how the bills decide to come out and play because I I believe that they'll still do some no huddle tempo, you know, a meaningful amount of it.
1: Yeah. Right. And, and the Bengals have feasted on takeaways, you know, two interceptions in each of their last three games, which leads me to my last question for you, Greg. How have or how has the new duo at safety performed on the whole for the Bengals? No Jesse Bates, no Von Bell. Yeah. It's Dax Hill and Nick Scott now. I know Dax Hill has put a lot of crooked numbers in the defensive column. He's been productive. But how have they worked as a tandem back
2: there thus far, in your opinion? I think it's been solid. And Hill, just so you guys know, Hill, he's their tight end matchup. So when they do play man, he'll be on Kincaid. And don't—and Hill has corner traits. Um, when he came out of Michigan, I mean, he's six feet, 190. He runs exceptionally well. A lot of people, including myself, thought that he could line up and play corner in the NFL. So he's the tight end matchup. Now, they, they play mostly Scott with him, but they also get the rookie Jordan Battle from Alabama in the game at times. Uh, when they play uh, dime, they have two forms of dime. They will at times play four-corner dime, okay, where actually Hilton, very often, Mike Hilton, who we all think of as a slot defender, he'll become a deep safety when they play four-corner dime at times. Um, and that, and then, of course, they'll play three-safety and three-corner dime, where battle is the third safety, and Hilton remains in the slot. Uh, but they they are very multiple with their deployment of personnel and their unpredictability in terms of how they use their personnel. So that's that's something you have to be aware of. They're going to show you a lot of different things. Um so what it does is it you know it might make it a little more difficult for Ken Dorsey to feel comfortable with exactly what he's calling because there's going to be an unpredictability to what Lou Anoramo does. Yeah.
0: Greg, great talking to you. Always appreciate it. Thanks for spending some time
1: with us. We'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. That's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, joining us as he does every Friday. He just said he loved us. Wasn't that nice? Love you back, man. What a guy. Um, Yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, they do throw a lot at you. I mean, the amazing thing for me is because any coordinator in this league can come up with the ideal one-week game plan that, you know, changes things up and gives the opponent something they haven't seen before. But you also have the have to have the confidence in your players to adapt to that change in your scheme as well. And then execute it in the snap of a finger on a given down and distance. And for some for some reason, Anarumo is able to make those sometimes seemingly seismic changes in his defensive scheme. For example, last week playing a 50 front against right. you know San Francisco when they're a 4-3 defense. And make it work, and that's what makes them so difficult to predict, and that will be the challenge in the early going and throughout the game uh, against Lou
0: Anarumo and this Bengals defense. It's hard for coordinators on either side of the ball, offense or defense, to put in a defense that transforms your identity. The, The Patriots were good at this for a long time. They would... They had players that they liked that they would just switch their philosophy from week to week. They'd go from a 3-4 to a 4-3 to a blitzing defense to a coverage defense uh, to a zone blitz defense, all of that stuff. They had the ability to transform themselves like that. And Arumo seems to have the guys and the ability to get his players to do that in-game. Their ability to pick up and do things that are, A, unexpected, and B, perfect uh, for the to combat the philosophy that you're showing offensively and do it quickly, has been really the the difference in in Cincinnati's ability to play defense and and get deep into the playoffs. Now, you can say what you want about Joe Burrow and and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and all of that stuff, and Joe Mixon and all that. They're good, but it's m- as much about their defense and its ability to stop people as it is their offense. So uh, that's why they're. That's why they were in the AFC Championship game last year, and that's why they're expected to to play well and be in that conversation again this year. They're, they're tough, and then their coaching is a reason why.
1: Both teams' injury reports are out for Sunday night's game. We know that Spectre and Klein are out. Everybody else is good to go, according to the injury report, even though cornerback Christian Benford was added to the injury report with a hamstring injury he is list he has no designation for Sunday's game, which means he is good to play. So something we'll have to keep an eye on. If there's a practice squad elevation, something of that nature, maybe that's a clue that Benford might be a little gamey, shall we say. Might fit be fit to play, but as a precaution, you know, maybe they have somebody else called up on the roster so they don't get caught shorthanded. As for the Bengals, backup defensive tackle Josh Tupou, Uh, has a shoulder injury he is out questionable for the game running back Joe Mixon backup linebacker Raheem Davis Gaither and backup guard Max Sharping Mixon we should tell you was a full participant in practice today so he's certainly trending on the more positive side of questionable for Sunday night's game and that's kind of where it sits for both teams both rosters Mm. relatively healthy well relatively healthy with the guys they have left standing with the guys they have left standing that's (laughs) a good point that's a good point with uh, the players they have left to choose from, shall we say. Got to take a break here, but when we come back, more of your questions from the OBL Friday fan mailbag. Still taking your phone calls as well at 803 550 Open line for you there to talk to us when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Collision Course is brought to you by Gabe's Collision. Gabe's Collision, the official auto collision repair center of the Buffalo Bills. Get back in the game. And the Collision Course for this week is the matchup up front between Bills left tackle Deion Dawkins and defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals Trey Hendrickson. You already heard Steve mention how Hendrickson has eight sacks on the season in seven games played for the Bengals thus far. Deion Dawkins has been playing some pretty good football. People haven't noticed him. That's a good thing when an offensive lineman isn't noticed. But he's only given up one sack all season long. It's a heavyweight battle here. Yeah, but
0: none of them have to play by themselves. You can give Dawkins some help, and they will give Dawkins. You don't. He's a left tackle. He's a very good left tackle. But even an elite left tackle, you're going to give some help once in a while to a guy with Hendricks with Hendrickson's ability. So, uh, and believe me. From the looks of things, you're not going to worry too much about the other guys. I mean, this is the guy with all the sacks,
1: so you're going to double Sam him. Hubbard's a try-hard guy, gets right. his sacks by the end of the year. Point is, this is the guy that gets the attention. You're going right.
0: to find him, and and he may or may not rush over Dawkins all day, or they may move him around, but if you're going to give somebody some help, you're going to give the guy some help that's, that's, getting, that's blocking Hendrickson, even if it is Dion. So Dion doesn't have to do it by himself. Uh, they'll give him some help, and and go from there. But yeah, once in a while, there's no question he'll have him all alone and you got to watch it. I mean, the
1: guys, but you can slide protection that way.
0: Yeah. Yes. You can make sure if you slide the protection towards Dion, he knows the only place he's vulnerable is to his outside shoulder. If he gets bull rushed Mm -hmm. and that, you know, taking options away from a guy makes it easier on the offensive lineman. So yeah, all that's possible. And plus, if you got, you know, a guy like Latavius on the outside, and you know you're going to get a chip from him as Latavius releases into the route. He comes up and gives a chicken wing to Hendricks, and that helps you as well. So, you know, all that's going to help Dawkins in that battle. But, you know, that's, yeah, that's a guy you got to find. That is the guy you got to find on the front four. Or if it's a 50 front, front five.
1: Yeah, I mean, there he is. Yeah. Winning and getting a sack on Purdy, sack Sac, fumble. strip fumble yeah. in their own end. It's big. Yeah. They've been taking the ball away. They uh, had two pick. They've had two picks in each of their last three games, and you know how those come in bunches. The interesting thing is, the Bengals haven't turned it over much, and I'm a big believer in the law of averages, Steve. <laughs> they're overdue. They're overdue, yeah. And but... so are the Bills, <laughs> who have not had an interception in their last four games now. Yeah. So, well, I think they're overdue for both a few teams. Both well, yeah. teams overdue? In, no, no. Yeah. Bill's yes. getting a takeaway because oh. they haven't had an interception in oh, four I games. I see. I thought you said No, you their defense Josh. hasn't had one in four oh, games. I see. I thought you meant Josh hadn't thrown yeah. one. So Bill's defense is overdue, and so is this Bengals offense. So right. let her rip, man. Right. Let her rip. Uh, we do have to <laughs> get to tailgate Friday. I got to tell you, I've spoken to three different people this week that are going to this game in Cincinnati. Oh, really? Yeah, they're making the drive. Just seven hours hard. in change, give or take. Yes, yeah, not they're, across the street. And they're going. Um, so what is on the tailgate menu this week? Tailgate Friday, presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, the official healthcare plan of the Buffalo Bills. And we look at said menu. And uh, let me see what we've got here. What is... What is topping the list? From Andrew, he says, Going to be lazy this week. Going to get some cheese and pepperoni pizza and get some Crown Royal barbecue wings. So good. Highly recommend them. I'll say this. Wing um, flavors have gone off yeah. the deep end of late. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, look. Yeah. I, I like different flavors and different offerings. It's not just hot, now we're going, and
0: mild anymore. <laughs> now we're going
1: Crown Royal Barbecue? Like,
0: really? I do not know what that is. But that's uh, good for but him. sounds like arco- alcohol, alcohol this, and barbecue. And, and I know Bill's fans have been talking about this because you and I talk about it every week. We're in the back of the radio booth. And these Sunday night games, it seems like they kick off at like... 1 a.m. Because <laughs> you've been waiting all day? Oh, my gosh. It's like, oh, my, oh, is the game about to kick off? Yeah, we only and, got another two and a half hours before it kicks. And
1: I'm and like, think, about, think about how long it's going to feel when your football watching starts at 9.30 in the morning with the Germany game. It's going to feel even longer. It is
0: a it is a trek to get through Sundays. <laughs> When you kick it off at eight fifteen that night, and it, it and you know at this time tough of tough when you're sitting on your couch. Well, yeah, but that's why you got to get lazy. Like I the pizza <laughs> going to be gone for two hours before the game kicks off, right? I mean, yeah, here's dinner the thing will be too, over, and we all know how this is because it's that time of year. It's dark at like four thirty. Yeah, we actually turned the clocks back
1: this weekend, right? I think yeah, we do. right. So it'll get to, yeah. So it's gonna so be, that's another hour you're waiting be for the 4:30. game. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another hour. Tack it on. Just hit me with a stick. <laughs> I mean, it it
0: takes forever Steve, Wake for up. Oh my god. Wake up. Wait, it takes forever for these games to kick off. I'm you eat you have a pizza party and then you got to like take a nap. Then you wake <laughs> up, go for a walk to walk the pizza off, take the dog out, go out and get gas in the car, come back and it's like, "Yeah, yeah no, game kicks off in an hour."
1: I'm like, "Oh!" I've never heard someone so disappointed in daylight savings time. In my life, that was fantastic. The grief. I mean, listen, I love my
0: weekend. I love my listen. Oh my I love my weekends as much as anybody. But man, crazy. tell you what. Sunday is like <laughs> get to the game already. Sundays last until Tuesday. <laughs> like, ah, kick the game off already.
1: <laughs> oh man, you These got night me there. games. I mean, your it's, reaction it's to dark, day-
0: it's dark for six hours before they kick it off. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> Your reaction to Daylight Savings Time was priceless. That was fantastic. Oh my God. <laughs> I enjoyed that. It's <laughs> so bad. Oh, my God. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Elizabeth uh, on the Tailgate Friday tweet sheet says, uh, is, am I going to say this right? Get a sausage with buffalo sauce, fried egg hash brown potatoes, jalapeno cheddar cornbread waffles, whoa, and sausage gravy. Yeah, she
0: she does it right. She's having breakfast for the game at 8 o'clock at night. (laughs) She's
1: having Monday
0: morning breakfast before the game. (laughs) She She got got me
1: on the jalapeno cheddar cornbread waffles. Mm -hmm. Those. (laughs) Jalapeno cheddar cornbread waffles. Yes, please. Everything
0: in there sounds good.
1: I, well, I know I like jalapenos. I know I like cheddar. I know I like cornbread, and I I'm damn sure I like waffles. So I'm in on a four with, for four streak with one with food item: sausage gravy. <laughs> that is awesome. that, that could be a heart stopper. Wow, I'm getting pain down my left arm just thinking about it. <laughs> well, well done, Elizabeth. Jack says cooking up some spicy chili this Sunday. It is chili season. I haven't decided yet if I will be making Cincinnati's five way over spaghetti. Or just having bowls of chili with warm bread and crackers. I'll decide after the chili's made. I do disagree with Steve, though. Chili needs beans. I use at least two types in mine. Mm. I'm big on the seasoned chili beans in my chili. Um, well, but please, don't do any of that ridiculous Cincinnati stuff. Yeah, Like, like chili it. over the pasta. Like chili. what the heck I'm are you in, doing? I'm not a big
0: fan of it either. I um, I do put beans in my chili, too, but I put refried in just oh. for the flavor and it thickens the chili up yeah, but there's I would no beans it doesn't look like there's beans in it but there is there's refried beans in it pinto's
1: mm. so it's know. like a stealth bean chili recipe yeah you get
0: the yeah you get the flavor and the whatever it is
1: but without the looking like it has beans in it that's yeah. my own thing that I can't. And when you're older and you don't have any teeth anymore you don't have to worry about chewing yeah. the beans because it's refried <laughs> and right. it's already mush <laughs> already mush so you already got your pot of gruel ready to go <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is uh tailgate Friday for this week's edition. As we said, presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. So we look at this, Steve, because you were talking about it earlier in the show. You wanted to see chaos in the Vikings Falcons game. There's a greater chance it happens. What happened? Josh Dobbs will be Active for the Vikings-Falcons game on Sunday. That just came down. Uh, so you chew on that. I'm going to go back to the phones because we have Jack in Kenmore waiting. What do you got for us, Jack? You're on One Bills Live.
3: Okay, guys, there it goes. Our defensive coordinator is our head coach, okay? And it's up to him to stop these people. And if he outcoaches this guy, we win the ballgame.
1: That's the bottom line, and that's my, that's all I got to say. Okay, so it's a matter of it's a matter of outcoaching Zach Taylor for Sean McDermott. Something tells me you kind of do need your players to execute as well, but I guess I understand the premise. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting, and we we came up earlier in the year uh, when. When uh, Sean McDermott was coaching against Mike McDaniel in Miami, got both head coaches. One's an offensive head coach; the other's a defensive head coach. And they both call the plays for their respective sides of the ball. Right. And it's it's kind of fun to think about. And it's going to be the exact same thing here um, with Zach Taylor calling the plays in Indiana and in Cincinnati, and and Sean, of course, coordinating the Bills' defense. So it's it is there is something a little extra in that, no question. Uh, we saw how it went in Miami. We'll hopefully have some. Some better success so – the same success we against Cincinnati that we did against Miami. But there's a lot more into it than that, so we'll see if the uh,
1: alternate factors
0: play a bigger role than the coordinators.
1: Bills are 5-0 and oh on Sunday nights under Sean McDermott. So you can hang your hat on that if you wish. I will say that Josh tends to play some of his better games in the primetime window – Obviously, you have the exception of the Sunday night game this week already, this year already against the Giants. Um, Didn't play his best game by far. And, you know, they only scored 14 points, still won the game. So you would like to think that if they can pull it together and play their best game, get a much needed win here. I'm also kind of thinking, you know, we had that call from Mark in Jersey City, and I already. I knew most of the guys that were out of the lineup for the Bills defensively. You know, Daquan Jones, Micah Hyde had already been lost for the season. Jordan Poyer, as he said, looked like a mummy because he was right. all wrapped up with, you know, he looked like RoboCop out there. Right. Um, and he's the starting corners <laughs> were Kyer Elam and Dane Jackson. Right. Um, you know. And you have Terrell Bernard at linebacker now, who I think is a more instinctive and splash play linebacker than Tremaine Edmonds ever was. And your pass rush is far more formidable, even with a not all the way back Von Miller yet. Von was gone in that game. Yeah, he didn't play in that game either. Right. Right. No, DaQuan. Man, we're missing half the damn team. Tre'Davious was back. Oh, it was Tradavius and Elam. That's who it was in that game, January second. That's who it was yeah. on the outside. But
0: yeah, Damar Hamlin was playing safety.
1: Damar was playing safety, and
0: he was the let's he was the fifth safety in the on the squad at the beginning of the year. Well,
1: Dean. Well, for the playoff game though, Dean Marlowe was starting at safety with with an, with a banged up Jordan Poyer. Right, but Dean had gone in before DeMar and
0: was hurt in the Cincinnati game, the first one, and then got healthy again to get back on the field. Oh, okay. Uh, Cam Lewis was playing before that. Um, they had gone down. It was the, a mess. It was a mess.
1: <laughs> it was a real mess. Yeah, they go into this game. I think certainly with a much better front. Um, yeah, the we'll back see. end. You know, you you have those two safeties together back there, and you know if they go to that three safety dime look, you got Rap, who's an athlete and good ball skills. You know, playing deep center field. So yeah, I like. I kind of like their chances better this time than I did last time in light of all the injuries we just ran through from last year. Break time for us. Steve and I close it up when we return here on One Bills Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, we're closing it out with Vision to Victory, presented by AdWall Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. Well, our last caller, Jack, thinks it's about one coach out-coaching the other uh, in terms of Sean McDermott out-coaching Zach Taylor. I think it runs a little bit deeper than that. Um, I, I think the defense that can come up with a couple of extra splash plays for me, yeah. turns the tide in this game. And both teams are very good at taking the ball away. They're both in the top five in total takeaways. Cincinnati leads the AFC in interceptions with 10. Buffalo has one more total takeaway than Cincinnati, 14 to 13. And as I mentioned earlier, Cincinnati has not turned it over a whole lot in recent games. And I. You know, I, there's just a law of averages. Teams turn it over, you know, and when they go a long stretch without doing that, it crops up and bites them sometimes um, for whatever reason. I'm not going to try to dive into why. And I, I just think the Bills defense has to be the defense that gets that extra sack strip or gets that extra tip ball for a, for a pick, something like that, um, to get their offense the extra possession to hopefully go in and win the game. Yeah, I think – but it's right. gonna be nip and tuck, I the, think.
0: Yeah, the, the team that comes out positive or negative on the turnover ratio is gonna win that game. If they're positive and plus if you go plus two, you're you're huge. I mean, I think that's a huge difference in this game. And I also think this the Bills have twenty eight sacks on the season, the Bengals have twelve. Bills gotta get to the quarterback. They gotta get after him. Uh if they can get him on the ground, if they can get him to drop back and take away that first read, like they do with Tua Tonga Violo, if they can take a first read, get him to yeah. hold the ball. They can close that gap and get close, and I think that's the difference. Sacks and turnovers for the Bills' defense is going to win it.
1: I like that plan taking away his first read because he got it out in 2.2 seconds in the playoff game, and they could do nothing about it. they got to change the conversation there. We'll see. That's it for us here on a Friday. We'll see you back here on Monday to discuss the game at noon. We will see you then. Enjoy the game this
2: weekend, everybody.